In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches, and honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate. From the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Have what I've been wanting since that record That Adina Howard had probably fast to impress her 
amazing if I could sing. What's up, folks? It's so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. This is Ryan Bailey, and this is Thursday, which means there is one more day until that sweet, sweet weekend, which we have earned. My God, you guys, it has been a week. Man, it it seems like every day something has gone wrong. Way too emotional this week. Way too much drama this week. I don't know if you've uh, found that as well. Way too many things breaking. It is just... I'm in the doldrums of January. Thank God there's a new month coming right around. Uh, Friday, you guys, is going to be a little different. Real Housewives of Orange County I've been doing on Friday. But since they didn't air an episode this week, which how dare they, you know I need you, Real Housewives of Orange County. And you you, you turn your back on me and you don't air an episode? Is this how we run a network, Bravo? We get people hooked on a show and then you decide not to air it? What is wrong? Who raised you, Bravo? That is just ridiculous. I need to watch Noella make a fool of herself in Cabo as Shannon Bedore pours margaritas down her throat. Come on. So Friday instead, I'm going to do the Vanderpump Rules Part 2 Reunion. I, I talked about Part 1 yesterday. What a great episode that was. Two plus hours of medium enjoyment. But I had a great time, so I hope you had a good time listening to it. But I'm going to talk about Vanderpump Rules as a season. I got a lot of DJ James Kennedy dirt. I got a lot of Raquel stuff I want to talk about. I've got uh, Stassi Schroeder's new book I want to mention. There's going to be a Vanderpump-heavy episode on Friday because my thing with this is, you know, I said at multiple times this season that I didn't like it, but I watched that first part of the reunion, and I got to say, man, I will never give up up on that show. Uh, You know, here's the deal. I, I... We don't give up on family, right? We don't give up on family. We don't give up on things that have brought us such joy. And it doesn't matter. Sometimes, you know, we as humans have an off month or year or season in our own lives. You can't turn your back on family. That's how I feel about it. So I will go down with this ship. But I think they left us with a ship that is sailing in the right direction. I swear to God. DJ James Kennedy's acting like a little bitch on social media. I'll get into that on Friday. 
Um, but wow, what? I mean, ah, it's like really like it's like the British Jacks in a way, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get all into that Friday. I'll do a recap of the second part of the reunion. Also, happy Che Day. Che Diaz, baby. <laughs> That's Miranda being excited about Che. Uh, there is a new Sex in the City today. I have not watched it yet. Uh, so I am very excited to see our girl, uh, see her, ah! Wait, how, how do you say that with non, but like, to see our person Che? Like, if you say to see our dude or see our girl, like, what do you say for non, I'm not even joking, like, what do you say for non, but like, to, hey, let's see our, you can't say bro and you can't say girl, like, let's see our them, like, what do you say? Like, I really, because I, I don't, I'm all good, like, I I totally respect that, and I want to call everybody by their right uh, nomenclature or what they're most comfortable with, and and I know, but I really do, like, what do you say in certain situations? I know I sound as old as I sound, but there, there's got to be some website or stuff to, like, to help you with that so you can respect people properly. Anyways, and I have already stuck so many feet in my mouth right now, and all I'm saying is that I want to say the right thing. But I'm also saying Che Diaz is ridiculous, not because of the non-binary thing, but because she went to Cleveland to do stand-up comedy, and we get to find out if she is going to town on a bunch of ladies. Because Che Diaz, they they get a lot of ladies. Che Diaz, I, uh, Drew Barrymore actually had a clip today talking to... Um, uh, Cynthia Nixon and said that she loves Che. I'm telling you, I've actually talked to a lot of girls. You girls out there listening might be this, the girls, but I've talked to a lot of girls that like find Che hot. I, I need to explore this. I'm telling you, Che needs a spinoff. So happy Che Day to everybody. I'll talk a little bit more about that on Friday. I might even do a little bit of a mini recap, as I've been threatening to do, of the new Sex in the City episode. And, of course, Jenny uh, let us know. Jenny Gwynn from Salt Lake City, who just got fired uh, yesterday, let us know what her reasoning was for putting up a lot of violent and gross and racist memes. And I'll get into that on Friday as well, but I I don't think you're going to believe <laughs> let's just say let's just say her excuse totally checks out it's a totally normal excuse no i cannot wait to get into this with you guys and play her audio clip of her letting us all know what happened and and what a what a weird it could have happened to any of us it could have happened to any of us because we all have social media teams even when we're not on a show before we're even famous or c-list level famous so much stuff happening but today I want to actually share with you an interview I talked about yesterday. I had just the best time talking to our next guest. Uh, there are just people that I, I, I've already booked her again on another episode because I just had so much fun and she's so damn smart. And so I just, I, I just loved it. And she wrote a book that I, I would love to say I read, but I listened to, I listened to the audiobook Cause like I say in the interview, my eyes don't seem to work anymore. Uh, but her name is Gabrielle Bluestone. And she is a journalist, a licensed attorney from New York, whose writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the New York Observer, Sunday Times Magazine, Esquire, InStyle, Gawker. She's the Emmy-nominated producer of Netflix's Fire, and that is the documentary about the Fire Festival, 
The Better Documentary, and the associate producer of Different Flowers, winner of the 2017 Kansas City Film Fest Festival Prize. Um, but I just thought she was amazing. And I got to say, I was super intimidated going into this interview because I, re- I listened to the book and I just fell in love with it because... Okay, so the book is called Hype, you guys, and I talk about it in the beginning of this episode with her, and we talk about it throughout, but it's just, I, I, I cannot speak higher enough about it. I just really loved it, and I think you guys are going to love it too, and as I explain in the interview, it shares the DNA of reality shows, of things that we love, of the internet, of this whole cult- culture that we are obsessed with, or that I'm obsessed with, and I think you guys are too. So the book is called Hype, How Scammers, Grifters, and Con Artists Are Taking Over the Internet and Why We're Following, uh, by Gabrielle Bluestone. So this goes into um, all like this, the, the, the internet hype between people like Billy McFarlane, who started the Fire Festival. Uh, we have Caroline Calloway in here. We have fast fashion being talked about. Uh, Anna Delvey. We, I mean, all of the greats that, you know, is kind of mixed in with pop culture now, but these are scammers. This book breaks it down beautifully, and I could have talked to her for hours. It just, it got my mind racing. You'll, you'll hear how excited I am. I also did have a huge coffee beforehand, so I want to forewarn you. I was bouncing off the walls, but it was just a great conversation. So I don't want to talk too much. I just want to get into this conversation because we get into the Kanye of it all. We get into Julia Fox. We get into all of this stuff because all of this is... It's all melding together. It's all kind of one pot now where we used to have movie stars, musicians, and now we're turning grifters. We're turning scammers into celebrities. And it's just, it's so fascinating, but you have to be aware. And I think this book is a great place to start. And this guest is a great guest. And her name is Gabrielle Bluestone one more time. And here she is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to iHeartRadio. So bad it's good. Today, we have somebody that I have wanted to talk to literally for a year, and this shows you how disorganized I am. Uh, but I always, I, I got to read her book, and then I didn't read her book because reading was so foreign to me over the pandemic, and all I did was watch TV. And then finally, I got to read her book. Actually, I listened to her book because my eyes don't work for reading anymore. And you guys, it was as good as I wanted it to be. It was like one of those things that I knew I would love and I loved it. Like I actually was like outside exercising, listening to the book, like making smiling faces like, yes, that's so true. Like things like that. But it delves into everything that we care about. Like it's through like a social media lens. It's through uh, scammers, grifters, all the things that we're kind of growing up around and how Pop culture and social media, I believe, are really intersecting in so many fascinating points. And I already wish there was a sequel to this book. And I was so sad it ended. But uh, not only is she the author of this book, but she is the uh, she's the producer of Netflix's Fire documentary. If you remember that, I remember exactly where I was when I watched that. Uh, the book is called Hype, How Scammers, Grifters, and Con Artists Are Taking Over the Internet and Why We're Following. Uh, Gabrielle Bluestone, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for that intro. I am sending that to my public publisher right away. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it really is. I geeked out so hard on this book and it's so nice when uh, reality meets your expectations where I was like, I was so excited going in because 
you guys, the the device she uses for this book is Billy McFarland of the Fire Festival. And we've talked about that many times on the podcast, but it was such a great device. What about him where you're like, that's a book right there that I can get into everything about? Yeah. Yeah. So what I found so fascinating about the fire festival wasn't just, you know, how audacious it was and how they were able to kind of pull the wool over some of the most hyper-connected millennials and, and Gen Z people like on the internet. Um, but it was why it worked so well and really what it said about our society. Um, and, and I started to see these connections between like him and Elizabeth Holmes with Theranos and, you know, things that don't seem to be on their face connected, but they all kind of used the same device, which, you know, not to plug the book, but is hype. Um, and, and you see that at play in every walk of life now. So it's not just on social media. It's not just, you know, with these like millennial focused companies, like people are using hype in the VC world, in startups, you know? It, I mean, you go uh, into it, all of this. I mean, you even got, you guys, she even has a whole like section about Caroline Calloway, who is uh, an enigma <laughs> wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in just wanting us to give her money. Um, and it's just, you even do fast fashion in terms of, was it Ariel Charnis or who is the, the lady that you... Danielle Bernstein. Oh, Danielle Bernstein. Sorry, sorry. sorry. You can see where She's I might've been confused. Me. Yeah, she, by her. the way, it was amazing. <laughs> That was my favorite part of the book was, was, you know, I went into it thinking I knew this girl from the internet and I arrived at her house and realized like, oh no, I have been totally scammed by this image as well. And so that chapter was really fun to write, kind of just challenging, you know, realizing what you think you know over life and seeing that so in your face, even writing the book, I was surprised. Well, it is interesting, just even on a personal level, I related to so much of this is my Instagram account grows and it's just on silly memes. It's silly. It's like silliness. And, and people think that they might kind of like, oh, well, he must be a real idiot. You know, like it's so funny to think of people's perceptions of you. And you're like, of course, that's what I put out there. So why wouldn't it is interesting to start thinking about. But these people are using it as this tool to create this hype and to potentially scam people or make money off people. They're not delivering on the product or the dream that social media promises us, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just limited to people that are selling things on social media. I think the very act of having an Instagram account, even if it's bare bones, you know, you are curating an image of yourself that you are selling to the world. And the vast majority of people with, you know, a sizable following, those people will never meet them in real life. What they know of that person is this image they've curated. And, and you know, on some level, we as the consumers or as, as users know this um but it's so hard to remember like you really think that that's who that person is yeah no i mean it really i it's interesting to uh i've had instagram now for like over what over a decade and it's really interesting to see how i started with it and how i use it now and it's two completely different things and i no longer would even consider putting personal aspects of my life up there. Like I don't even have that luxury of sharing things to my friends anymore because I've got to make it Bravo related or pop culture related. Mm -hmm. And you really get caught up in this thing where, I mean, this is, this is so obvious. We talk about this all the time, but yeah, man, I'll have a bad day on Instagram. I'll be like, I'm not funny. I suck. I'm going to lose followers. And then there's days where I, I must be really funny because I gain followers. It's so ridiculous <laughs> and upsetting um, just to, I'm so geeking out, so sorry for my excitement, but what you're a writer and you've written for so many amazing publications and your articles, I was going through so many of them. What made you even want to start in writing to begin with? And where, where did you start? 
Um, well, I always loved reading. I was one of those kids that always had a book with them. Um, and I was a journalism major in college, but I did not think that that was a career that I could support myself on. And so I, uh, I went to law school instead. And yeah, you're um, a lawyer actually, as well. I read. That's, that's <laughs> if wild. you need a lawyer, I am licensed in the state of New York. Now she does. She represents Tom Girardi, you guys. So that's, uh, she's Tom Girardi's lawyer. I just, you know, I did win a box of Tom Girardi's best lawyer oh. awards at auction. Oh, may I, may may I may I, di- may I direct you to that photo in the background of Tom oh Girardi and his it's an oil painting of him <laughs> and his brothers? I won a box of random paintings and trophies too, like Super Lawyers of the Year award. Like mm-hmm. I have too many Tom Girardi. Like it's I'm even worried about myself. I have so much Tom Girardi memorabilia. So I have to ask you, um, have you had any bad luck since you picked up the items? Yeah, I'm still doing the podcast. And, uh, <laughs> it's everything. Yeah, a lot of bad luck. Yes. No, I, so, I, I got the lingerie too. Oh, oh. Yeah, so double bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, you had to pick these items up locally in LA and I'm based in New York. So I had a friend go and pick it up for me. And about a week after he called me and was like, Gabby, you need to come get this box. Like ever since I've gotten it, like bad things have been happening. He actually staged the whole thing and it's been five. Oh, oh my God. That's I use it for like to do cameos and stuff. I'll take the lingerie and I'll go out in front of Sutton store in Beverly Hills and I'll hold <laughs> it up and, or I'll go in the back of the Sur park lot because I'm insane. And by the way, you guys, there is a housewives connection in this book. Leah McSweeney is part of a chapter. She talks about streetwear, but all of this because it's interesting. So did you grow up in New York? I did. I'm a city kid. Um, um, but yeah, so she had, uh, you know, the, the streetwear brand Supreme. Um, she had a streetwear brand herself and had been kind of, you know, Supreme is, is, is made to kind of mock other people's logos and it's all about appropriation. And so her brand, uh, Married to the Mob, did something similar and they sued her for $10 million. Well, because she did the supreme bitch, right? Yes, yeah. But it really revealed kind of just how fake their whole anti-corporate, you know, renegade position was because the second it was challenged, they turned to the corporate lawyers. That was my thing reading, uh, listening to this was that that supreme story was that like, is there any... Is there any truth out there anymore? Is there anything that's actually what it is that's subversive as it promises? Like everything is uh, a corporation or sponsored, even Coachella, which I remember when it started off as an alternative Mm -hmm. festival. And now it's, you know, owned by these conglomerates and they're trying to sell that this is the experience like Fire Festival. And they actually Mm -hmm. do show music at Coachella, but it's very (laughs) different from what I started with. You know, like everything is changing in this way. I mean, what do you think about all of that? You know, do you remember there was a meme going around for a while where someone would cut into something and it would turn out to be cake and it's like yeah, everything yeah. is cake. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Everything is marketing. There really isn't, if you know about, I mean, there, I'm, I'm sure there are some underground things that are authentic, but for the most part, everything is fake. Everything is, you know, marketing. And if, and if you look at these brands, like their actual marketing compared, and I think you saw this a lot over last summer when the George Floyd protests were happening, all of a sudden every brand wanted to be woke and reiterate their commitment to diversity. And, and then you look at their Instagram versus like their corporate makeup, and there's no basis in reality between the two. Like it's two totally separate entities, but we buy into these legends that they're creating anyway. And the thing in the 70s and 80s, we wouldn't be so aware of it because we didn't have social media, but now everything's in our face all the time. So we're, we're, we have a, 
you know, a 24 hour a day ad hooked to our phones that we're Mm -hmm. always checking in on. Um, But I also thought about the same thing about Billy McFarlane is that, is there any actual wealth out there anymore? Or is it just people stealing (laughs) from other people? Like this ties majorly in with Bravo or what we saw with Tom Girardi, but also this Billy McFarlane, like, I guess, I guess, can you say that he's at least a go-getter? Like, I mean, what can we say of him that is a, like, he doesn't seem to quit even in prison? Yeah, I mean, he he is the same way that I look at, like, Donald Trump or Elon Musk, right? Like, his, the, the underlying product is not what he's selling. He's good at selling himself. He's good at marketing, and he's good at talking people into thinking they're going to have a good time. I mean, this is a guy who is 25, 26 years old. He raised $26 million from, from like some real investors and also some people that didn't know what they were doing, um, but by selling them on the idea that they would have entree to this lifestyle. You know, th- what Fire Festival was, wasn't a music festival. It was like Blink-182, who's going to pay money to go see that? What he was selling was a chance to live a day in the life of Kendall Jenner or Bella Hadid. And the people that invested in that were people that wanted to say that they were friends with those people or they were hanging out in that in that world. Well, you go into great um, detail so, in the book about the models. Like it's one of the only bills he actually paid you guys uh-huh. to these models. He got every big model like Kendall Jenner made such a huge amount of money. And then, you know, when all of this went south, she got criticized for it, which, by the way, I still to this day think Kendall Jenner, she gets the worst Kardashian deals of all time. It's either this or Pepsi and a yeah. Black Lives <laughs> Matter commercial like but all of these models, he really did want to sell that lifestyle. Everybody put that, what was it, a blue square on their orange tile? Orange, orange tile on their Instagram all on the same day. And we were supposed to bite, and a lot of us did, of wow, all of these hot models. And they spent so much time over there living a, a grand life, but also filming this life that we would want to lead as well. And listen, I fell for it as the, I was a reporter that broke the story. But the reason that I started looking into it is because I was on Instagram and thinking, am I missing the party of the year? Is everyone going but me? Like, do I need to get a ticket right now? And you, were, and you I, wrote this for Vice, right? Originally. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I looked it up and, and, you know, it was so funny. Once you got off of Instagram and onto their actual website, it was night and day. It was that kind of, you know, separate reality that I was just talking about where, it was so unprofessional and there were no pictures of anything like it didn't exist. And you could tell from looking at what they were providing that it didn't exist, but nobody was really leaving Instagram to check it out. I want to talk to you about that Friday of this story breaking the fire fest. I always remember being at the acting studio. I taught at, at my desk and my friend sends me a photo of cheese on bread uh with like a really nasty looking cheese sandwich and then Mm -hmm. you really broke this story that i mean this really all of a sudden just exploded everywhere but in your telling of it in the book we see how much led up to this moment and it was this really weird hail mary pass of like let's just get through this and like billy was there on the ground but he was like starting to get mean with people it it, to Mm -hmm. me this is the sequel to the social network in a lot of ways like this is the you know that on steroids or what happens because of that this is that story what are your thoughts when this starts going south Well, I mean, first of all, this is the cautionary tale of the social network, right? Like Billy McFarlane became an entity in the business world because people were looking at him through the Mark Zuckerberg lens. I mean, it all started when he was, he went to Bucknell and he won a startup competition. 
think he won like 30 grand to start a company and that company never went anywhere. And it wasn't an original idea and nothing ever came of it, but all of a sudden he had, you know, the Chiron like winner of this competition, (laughs) you know, founder of sling, like who's ever heard of sling, but that was enough to like move up to the next level and to get the next level of investors. And that was uh, a venture called Magnesis. And that didn't go anywhere, but he got New York Post articles about it. And there and, were, and he made this card. Know, he made a heavy metal card because you yeah. felt cool with a heavy metal card. Yeah. And so you kind of see how people, it, it really lays bare the system and how easy it is to manipulate it and how easy it is to manipulate public attention, right? Like, if anyone had bothered to look at the companies that he had started, you would see that like this kid does not know what he's doing. Like, do not give him any money. But nobody was looking at it that way. They were looking at the press. They were, you know, looking at the models that were at his party. And that was enough to blind people to it. And that's something that you see again and again. You know, there was um, a really fascinating New York Times article a couple of weeks ago about people who had invested in Theranos. And a lot of them were saying like, you know, we asked to see a demonstration. We asked to see the science, but she wouldn't do it. And Henry Kissinger was on the board and David Boyes was endorsing it. So we figured like, why not? You know, that's the same influencer marketing that like Kendall Jenner got people to go to Fire Festival. It's like a really similar um, psychological impulse. Is it because we want to believe in something or do we want to believe in money? Like, I mean, like, I mean, I guess like, I mean, I I don't mean because you know, want to believe in something bigger than ourselves, you know, like that's what I mean. I remember every year at Coachella being so excited, but also it was because there was a lifestyle. My friends were all there, all of these magical things I would look forward to every year. And that's what just reading this book got me really, uh, I was already scared, but this got me even more scared because we are getting sold this lifestyle. And we, I mean, we made, we made fire festival an actual entity now. Like it's an actual thing bigger than it ever could have been because it failed so hard. Yeah. And there's a lot of like human psychology tied up in that. Um, you know, part of it is, and you know, I, I was not fortunate enough to go to Coachella when it was still like a cool underground thing, but I've been to Coachella and, you know, I had a fun time, but I think most people that go to events like that feel the impulse to portray themselves as having a bit more fun perhaps than they actually did. And that in turn kind of leads you to like look back on it and think, oh, that was great. I'll do it again. Even if you didn't maybe have the best time because you posted the picture on social media. That's it. If Coachella said, hey, guys, we're doing uh, no Instagram this year, Coachella Mm -hmm. wouldn't exist. Like you Mm -hmm. go there to get the shots now, you know, like that is the thing of look at me in this amazing lifestyle with a big Ferris wheel in the background or something. And that's 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 what you have to show for it. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. 
So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And that's that's one of the scary things about social media to me now is that I think, and not this isn't universal, but I think people who are very online, especially um, people who are in the business of portraying their lifestyle online, um, are no longer having experiences for the actual experience. It's for, for how you can portray it to other people and what it says about you rather than like your own feeling about it. And that's scary. It's really scary. Like, I mean, I've been, I've talked about that on this show of like going into something that I've been so excited for and then realizing I'm not even present when I'm in that experience or at that mm. concert or at that play. And I mean, it's, I mean, people forget the Coachella thing is interesting just because they started it as one weekend, then went to two weekends of three days each. And the first weekend is where all the companies go to throw their parties. Like they throw these huge parties, Brett Bolthouse comes out. And so everybody's mm-hmm. like first weekend, first weekend. And then nobody actually goes and sees the music because they're so busy at the <laughs> corporate parties that they want to get tickets to second weekend. You guys, it kind of, it's still sold out, but it's like the older people, the people that aren't trying to get into electric carnival or what some BS like that. And it's just really fascinating. It's like, wait, this is a music festival, right? But it's not anymore. Yeah. I remember, I think it's like neon carnival, right? I remember that. Being yes. Like, yeah. 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 Like, we got to go to that. Yes, that's it. Yeah. 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 Neon carnival. Yeah, yeah. We're going to leave the music early. So yes, that's what like, I never <laughs> will understand that. I'm like, Oh, I got too tanked at the like Oakley's party or something that I couldn't make it to the concert. And you're like, that's wild to the point where you almost see it. I mean, we're, we're in a weird spot now with the pandemic, but you even see it in the booking. It's not as original anymore. It's not as, you know, it's just like throwing up as, as much as you can. It's like quantity over quality. Um, yeah. Has Billy, sorry. So what was that? Oh, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that's something that that also is disturbing. You see play out on social media and in real life um, the, the flattening effect that like having these corporations become part of the culture has had. You know, like you go on social media and you see your friends posting, and those posts are intermingled with corporate brands who are trying to post as if they're your friends too. And celebrities are trying to portray themselves in the same way. Like everyone is behaving in a certain way so that you, you know, if you're scrolling through, like you don't realize what's marketing and what's real anymore because it's all so condensed and it all looks alike. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I, I, I would, I would just add that, like, I think that's kind of where things, even things like QAnon come from, right? Like if you are reading shit on the internet. Sorry, if you're reading stuff on the no, internet. No, you can cuss. Day, you can curse on here. It's oh, fine. Great. Oh, good. Yeah, if yeah. You're reading shit on the internet all whoa, day. Whoa, whoa. Right? Too far. Too far. That was- <laughs> Um, at a certain point, like, how do you remember what you read on the New York times and what you read on Reddit, right? It all starts to like meld together in your brain. Like the internet is poisoning our brain. Oh, with Bravo, especially, I mean, or with Demois, that culture and all that stuff is that Mm Demois even says, these are not 
these are not factual. These could be completely made up. People just send them and I post them. And that's a really, as much as I enjoy a good celebrity sighting and I, I have enjoyed talking to Demois in the past, it is really dangerous because I could put out something right now that could destroy somebody's life or career. And it wouldn't even matter if it was fact-checked as long as it got to over 500,000 eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're screwed, basically. That's the whole... I mean, I, I, I naturally have a very healthy cynicism. And I think that that's kind of, you know, the onus is on the consumer and on the reader, unfortunately, like there is no, you know, protection against disinformation or false marketing or outright fraud. In most cases, you know, if an influencer doesn't label something as an ad, like there's not really much anyone can do about it. There's not like a framework you know, uh, for the government to like reprimand them or something at worst, they'll send a strongly worded letter to like the company or something like that. Nothing matters anymore. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. These frameworks that we've set up for ourselves and it's made everything kind of a little less, uh, realistic or we're not precious anymore. I don't know. Um, the, the Billy McFarland thing is he's such a unique individual, but I don't, I'm not trying to say that as a compliment, uh, (laughs) just because, once he was even in jail, you guys, I mean, speaking of the podcasting world, he tried to start a podcast even and was doing it through phone calls and he just couldn't. And then he was even, I, I don't know if it was when he was awaiting trial or something, he was potentially selling like experiences again of, I can get you Adele tickets. By the way, I would love to see what Billy could have done right now to uh, Adele's Vegas show that didn't happen. Like yeah. he was selling access. <laughs> it, he was selling access again. Like what is the update on Billy McFarlane? Have you kept tabs with him? And has he ever reached out to you about the book? Yeah, so it was actually much worse than you're describing. He already <laughs> uh, pled guilty to a, the first set of felonies and he was out on bail awaiting sentencing. Yeah. And he launched a second felony scam. He wasn't just offering people, you know, experiences. He was selling tickets to things he couldn't have. So he was offering, you know, Oh yeah, the, the Anna went for the, Yeah, the Met Gala. That yeah. was yeah, yeah. or like the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show and I actually called them up and I was like, "Hey, you know, how are you selling these tickets?" And he gave me some explanation like, "Well, you know, the models got a certain number of allotted seats and they've agreed to let us sell them. The models didn't get cast until like six months after when we were talking, like there's a very, back when the show was happening, it was like a very specific, like August audition thing. And you would see all the girls go in. It was a daily mail fodder. Like, like they were just inventing these scenarios to raise as much money as they could before he went to jail. Um, so this is one of the wilder moments of my career. I published a story about what he was doing and like, Six hours later, the FBI arrested him and he went back <laughs> to jail. Um, I have not heard from him since, although um, he's moved he's moved prisons a couple of times. I used to get uh, like jailhouse snitches reaching out to me. I don't know if that's the right term, but people that knew if you're if you're about to tell me you're you're on love after lockup, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> like, <this> is, <laughs> you had jailhouse snitches reach out to you. How does that yeah. even come? Like, do they mail you a letter or like what's the email system in jail? They, they have like cell phones secreted away, but um, people were trying to sell me pictures of him and information about him. Um, eventually he got caught with a recording device. So uh, he had like uh, or uh, his book, those- right. That was going to yeah. pay, pay for the damages to the people he scammed. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that actually turned out very poorly for him because everyone thought he was a snitch. Whatever he was using it for, um, the people in prison around him didn't trust him anymore. And he was also punished for it. He was, you know, this this part is kind of sad. He was put in solitary confinement for a very long period of time, um, moved prisons. He was originally, uh, I'm blanking on the name now, um, Otisville, which is where Michael Cohen serve time oh, and yeah, situation yeah. serve time. I oh. think he and the situation like played basketball together for a while. Um, but it, it's a convenient location if you have family in New York and you want people to come visit you. So he was moved after that. Um, he tried to launch this podcast and was again put in solitary confinement. I'm not sure of his current status now, but things have gotten demonstrably worse for him ever since. Like now, the guy just Michael, stop. Yeah, I mean, but Michael Cohen in the situation, you get two more you get two more people. It's like a jailhouse big brother or something. That's, they could. That's a Bravo show I'd watch. That's what I'm sure. saying. Um, <laughs> well, when it comes to Bravo, actually, that's interesting is that today I woke up to the news that Jenny from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Bravo did fire her. I don't know if you kept mm-hmm. up with Salt Lake or the news, but there's another thing that's very interesting is that social media, you know, coming down on the sides of these uh, of morality, of things that are right and wrong, of things that we want to see action, of Bravo potentially not moving fast enough. Um, mm-hmm. So did they do this because they actually care about the images that Jenny posted? Or did they do this because they didn't want to cause more of a stink after they saw the reaction from the fans? We're always confused with Bravo because sometimes they, you know, and, and during the pandemic, when we were really in the heart of riots and stuff, Stassi, Jax, and Kristen mm-hmm. got let go from Vanderpump Rules. I always wonder now if that had happened today, if they would have been let go. I always wonder if the heat of the moment, like what, I still sometimes don't know where Bravo falls in on it. And and Leah McSweeney is a perfect example from Real Housewives of New York this past season where you had a cast member uh, who she's been on the show before say that Ramona flat out said, uh, this -hmm. is what happens when we have black housewives or African-American housewives. And Bravo still hasn't done anything with any of that, even though formal complaints have been filed from her and a crew member. I mean, does this... I, I don't understand which way Bravo is coming or going on these issues. I'm with you. They are wildly inconsistent in the way that they handle these kinds of situations. And, and you know, it's been discussed much more eloquently than I'm about to put it, but it is that tension between you want a badly behaved reality yeah. star, but not too badly behaved. And that's, they don't want to define the line almost. Well, that's what like confuses me in, in like is, is that I almost said, or I was not arguing, but I said something on Twitter last week saying I kind of wanted Jenny still there because I wanted her to answer for this. And people said, well, how dare we don't need it. We know her answer. We know this. And I said, we do because we're so locked in on Twitter and Instagram and we're living online. But most people don't even aren't even aware that this is happening, aware that why she's going to be fired for. And I would I don't know if it's bad that I truly want to know, like, where does that come from, Jenny? Where does that hate come from? You're talking about running people over. Where, where is that? Like, mm-hmm. I personally want to know. And, but I also am confused because I've loved when Ramona has been rude to staff in the past. I've <laughs> loved, I've sat there and I'm like, so where are my lines? Where, are, and, and Bravo of all things shouldn't make me question my moral stance when you're looking to <laughs> escape. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I love cheating. I love when Jax cheated on a bunch of people and hurt, uh, you know, all the Warly. people. Life. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Those are great moments in my life when he messed up his life. 
But yes. at the same time, like, what is that line? And I know the people at home are like, well, I know that line. But sometimes I get confused because we see so many examples of this and that's what the world is. And if this is a reality show, it's holding a mirror up to the reality yes. of this situation, right? This is what I've always said. Like the appeal of, of, of shows on Bravo and reality shows like The Bachelor, that kind of thing, is, isn't necessarily so much what they're doing on screen, but how the viewer perceives it, right? Like you think how you would handle that situation or like what you would do if you were that cast. You know what I mean? Um, it, it becomes like like a, a social experiment almost. But there is, they're, they're so inconsistent with it. I mean, they just fired a cast member, you know, um, Jenny, who not two episodes ago, another cast member was mocking her slanted eye. What I'm saying, know? Mary Cosby, you guys, we've talked about this many times, but Mary Cosby's sitting there going, good, they got rid of the bad seed when Mary's also a bad seed. Like nobody on Salt Lake City, it's so fascinating because nobody really has the moral high ground for a show that is uh, pretty much based with a religious backdrop. Everybody's mm -hmm. of a different religious every and everybody is on like we're dealing with cheating now, potentially people sleeping with the same dude, people potentially mm -hmm. on uh, a boatload of uh, medicine that mellows you out potentially. And, we, <laughs> and by the way, Jen Shaw in any other season in any other cast, we would be focusing on that she is a criminal. And I'm so sorry to everybody. I've read the complaints. She has done this, but she is <laughs> able to rehab her image like a Billy McFarland because everybody else is acting so piss poor and sane with their beliefs. You guys, uh, it is time for my favorite part of the show where we get to talk about our sponsors. And this week, So Bad It's Good is sponsored by the one and only streaming service Sundance Now. So uh, after a long day, I just want to curl up on the couch as a man does and get lost in a gripping story with characters I can love and sometimes I get tired of those being real housewives uh, so I don't think it's too much to ask that I actually watch a fictional story a story with amazing characters great acting all of that stuff and that you go to find that nowhere else with Sundance now so with Sundance now, you always have something to watch that is binge-worthy, and that is the name of the game, uh, and also something you can be obsessed with. Sundance now is an ad-free streaming service created by AMC Networks. You guys know AMC, Walking Dead, pretty much every amazing show ever. <laughs> so it's for people who obsess over riveting storytelling and fresh perspectives. Sundance now has original prestige dramas, international thrillers, and bone-chilling true crime shows. Every show is a sleek production with sexy lead characters. Uh, they've got shows like the hit British series A Discovery of Witches, which is now entering its third season. Uh, it's the perfect mix of like period drama, romance, and edge-of-your-seat thrillers. Uh, season one and two are streaming, but like I said, season three is uh, premiering. It just premiered on January 8th. So there's seven episodes in the third season. I love that it's not 20 episodes, and the finale drops on February 19th. In the final series of A Discovery of Witches, Matthew and Diana return from their trip to 1590 to find tragedy at September Tours. They must find the missing pages from the Book of Life and the book itself before it's too late. Their enemies are gearing up against them, and a monster from Matthew's past who has been lying in wait will return for 
Revenge. Wow, that actually does sound uh, like a Real Housewives show. Uh, TV Guide says it's pure catnip for fans of this genre. LA Times says elegant and satisfying. Uh, you can stream Sundance now on all of your favorite devices for as low as $4.99 a month. That is very low. Just download the app or watch online and discover exclusive shows from around the world instantly. So, um, Find your next TV obsession on Sundance Now. Try Sundance Now free for 30 days by going to SundanceNow.com and use promo code SOBAD. That's SundanceNow.com code SOBAD for 30 days of free streaming. I mean, guys, that is that is free. That's free for 30 days. You can just get it like, come on, that's free for 30 days. That's amazing. Promo code SOBAD, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. And now... It's incredible. The FBI literally raided her on camera, and that is the least interesting part of this season. Well, that's what I'm saying. She is going to, I say this, she's going to go to jail saying she's innocent. She will never admit she's guilty, and we will see all the evidence, but we will never look at the evidence because we just want to see her say, I'm innocent, and like, yes, queen, I believe, shots, queen. <laughs> it's so like... We're, but that's also another thing that I keep thinking about. Bravo is giving her an infomercial each week to push her bullshit, like to actually say, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm innocent, you guys. I can't give you any proof. And now I'm going to distract and say, how dare you, Meredith, for tipping off the FBI? Like like things that don't even make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's happening not just on Salt Lake City. I mean, you could have just been describing Erica Girardi. Like it is that this is every show. It's crazy. Well, it may like Beverly Hills. I, I railed on last season because I was like, we're nobody's really questioning Erica. They're all scared of Erica. Erica's like just making like Erica's coming for Sutton. And I'm like, yo, she has benefited from a criminal, whether she's a participated in the crimes or not. This is like not any moral high ground where you have the right to be mad at anybody. And I was like, why aren't they all questioning her? But then if you watch Salt Lake, it makes those Beverly Hill girls look like they're master interrogators because they at least talked about it. Like Jen goes, mm-hmm. Jen just screams louder and then we're supposed to be scared and it's done. Mm-hmm. I do have to say Erica has one of the most iconic like excuses of all time about Tom broke his ankle and had eye <laughs> surgery and, and then the car rolled three times. <laughs> and that and that man that man has been sick for years and I was the only one that told and why isn't his family taking care of him you're his family dork like Erica Jane was his family and she's yelling at the other family for not taking care of him I just but I think it's such an interesting that's another great thing of like you see somebody that potentially I'm sure she grew to love him or loved him in a way that you love somebody that pays for everything that you do and you know I'm sure she respected that but that's what happens if you go down this road you're going to eventually, it's not all like, do you ever think about this of like, these people aren't aspirational anymore? Like we, I used to grow up with celebrities thinking, oh my God, I would love to be, I don't know, Prince or Tom Hanks or somebody like these would be so cool. And now I'm like, you couldn't pay me enough to be Kanye West. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, these people seem like they're having any fun, right? They have everything and they're miserable. Um, That being said, I do, I do love the fashion that I do find the, especially Beverly Hills. The fashion and the homes are aspirational. The life, not so much. See, I'm, I, I've always, I, I'm, the audience knows me. I've, I'm an old Navy man. I don't know fashion. I am not uh, a well-dressed man. And so that part escapes me, which is, I don't even know why I'm in the housewives because that's such a huge part of it. But speaking of the Kanye stuff, you mentioned exhaustion and I do, whether it be Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox, whether it be Kanye and Julia Fox, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, there is an exhaustion level that I'm feeling 
with celebrity culture. And I don't know if it's just because I'm older now and I've seen like, you know, pop culture kind of repeats itself with these kind of archetypes, but the Kanye, like Julia Fox, you are a New York city kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. You have to be aware of Julia Fox. You might even be friends with Julia Fox. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in six degrees of separation. I don't yeah. know her personally. Um, I do have to say this really is the year of the Fox now that you mentioned it. I know. I said <laughs> that too. And I was like, wait a sec. Did I just make a connection? <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, you know, it, if it feels like you've seen this movie before, it's because you literally have like the, you know, the dramatic date and, and the new wardrobe and the photographers everywhere. We saw that on Keeping Up with the Kardashians a decade ago. Like it's just the same movie with a new cast they're re you know they're rebooting they reboot, the original. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but when it's so obvious that it's and, and, and i mean i have to give julia fox credit because she's having fun with it like the interview uh magazine article that she did like like there, there is like a little bit of uh, mischief involved well gabrielle is um, there or is there uh because i always think about this too of like okay she's doing this she's acting like she's in on the joke and like oh the vibes are right at a certain point, though, where does it become playing with things and, and is it perceived eventually as cringy to then the people that actually really pay attention to this stuff? The general population, like she grew by, what, 300,000 Instagram followers in the last two weeks? Like she's now past a million Instagram followers. I'm surprised it's so little. Well, I mean, <laughs> but by, I mean, it's leaping by tens of thousands every yeah. day. But you have yesterday Kanye putting the black swan eye makeup on her where she looked like Uncle mm-hmm. Fester a little bit, even though I know that's fashionable. Mm-hmm. But I like was getting the, more of a, a black swan vibe. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, the, and I say this on the because I look at Kanye all the time now with those chunky Balenciaga boots and I hate them so much. I grew up in Kansas where there were snowstorms and it reminds me of my snow boots I got at Walmart. And I'm like, Oh no, is he going to make these fashionable, these chunky black boots that make your legs look really chunky? Like mm-hmm. I but I just don't know like it's it's a really what is your opinion of I asked Kanye and what we're seeing right now because it just feels like a big show and they treat Julia Fox like wow, she got the big gig, she got the good job. Like people congratulated Julia. Like I mean you I I know she was at your uh, book premiere party um uh, the the author Kat Marnell. Um mm-hmm. And she was sticking up for Julia Fox on Instagram and say and on Twitter and saying how real she is and commenting about the Kardashians, but also saying that she deserves this. And I thought that was so weird for like a feminist thing, a feminist angle of like deserves this. She treated it like it was a movie role. Is that what this is? Is it a movie role or is it a relationship? Uh, I would, I think it's the movie role element of it. And I think when Kat says that, she means that like, you know, Julia has created this persona and she's built, you know, the work and, and, you know, say what you want about her, but she was wonderful and uncut gems. Like, Oh, you know, amazing. Like, I was like, who the F is that? That's how I first came to know. Like she was so good. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I think when you look at this game as a game of marketing, which I think is how Kat was looking at it too, like, okay, yeah, she's finally getting her due now. Like she has created herself into this marketable, interesting character that is convenient, not convenient, but is advantageous for Kanye to align his brand with hers. And I, I think that's probably, I, I don't, I didn't read the actual comments. But isn't but that weird? It's like not love. It's like, it's like the bachelor kind of love of like mm-hmm. when two brands unite, it's very special. <laughs> when two brands love each yeah. other. Very yeah. much. <laughs> they create um, a little brand. Yeah. But I mean, that's what you're seeing everywhere, right? Like the Versace, Fendi, Balenciaga, Gucci, like everyone is collabing and ca- capitalizing on each other's 
you know, followings and brands to create, you know, an even bigger brand. And, and that is part of the scary part of what I was talking about before. We're like, we're not even normal people like who aren't famous. We don't treat ourselves as people anymore. We look at ourselves as personal brands. And, you know, there's a, a Fast Company article from 1996 that I think about all the time that um, was kind of the first that I know of to like identify this phenomenon where it's like, you know, gone is the world where you go and work for one company forever and retire with a pension and all of that. Like we as individuals are expected to be free agents who can market ourselves to potential employers, to friends, to potential romance. You know, we have to have this like self-contained brand. Um, and, and that's, you know, a little intense and, and unnatural. Oh my God. I mean, I feel, I, I almost, I wonder if I'm led to believe this or I really believe this, but sometimes I look at my life and go, yo, this was not what I had thought it was going to be. You know, like I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't, all that stuff I grew up thinking was the norm or what you even still see to this day. Like my friends were using LinkedIn and I was like, what you guys, I'm an actor, <laughs> pod, you, you guys use what's LinkedIn and they're using it every day. It's like, you make connections with other business people. I'm like, Oh, and I started to make a profile and then realized I just wanted to make like a parody profile because I just had mm -hmm. no, this wasn't my reality at all. But I genuinely feel bad on a daily basis because my life isn't normal. I'm trying to learn to lean into, hey, it's okay to go off the beaten path. Yeah. And not to get like too deep into the, you know, weeds of, of the problems of capitalism. You know, this is a fun fun discussion, but I think this leads to issues like the gig economy and the fact that companies like Uber and DoorDash and, you know, all of these companies are allowed to treat people as like disposable agents, right? They're independent contractors. They, they sell it to the masses as like, well, you're free to go and work for whoever you want and do whatever you want. And like, you can build work your hours, like you're independent, you're, you're a free agent. Um, but it's really just like hurting people, right? Like, like the people are worse off for, for the way that, that this economy is structured now. Um, and I think it all plays into kind of the same or comes from the same mindset of like, each person is an individual brand re responsible for just themselves. There's no like collective, um, yeah responsibilities anymore but also just to to go back what you were saying about kanye's boots you know i also am not a fan of them but i also thought yeezys were hideous when they came out <laughs> yes. and now i own them but isn't so that me too isn't that the funny thing though that like i'm almost it's like waiting to turn into a werewolf i'm like what or like a walking dead kind of thing of like oh my god one day i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna love those boots because mm -hmm. i've seen them so much and i've gotten used to them so much mm-hmm and I would also say like a fascinating thing about Kanye is as good at marketing as he is, um, what makes him so interesting and kind of, you know, in, in a reality character kind of way is like he, he obviously struggles with mental health issues and that comes through sometimes and he's not able to kind of hide behind whatever branding or marketing he and his team are, are putting together. And so when that happens, those like moments of like, oh, this is real that's really fascinating. It's in a fascinating, but I found it interesting a couple of weeks ago when he couldn't find the address for Chicago's birthday party. The fact that I even am aware of all of this stuff is wild, <laughs> but I sat there and I was worried because I was like, like, like I would with a family member of go like going, 
oh no, is this going to spiral him out? Like, is this, this is going to, I said, this is going to end bad. And it didn't mm-hmm. like, he went and had a good time. Pictures were taken. Chris, like it all looked fine, but he went live with a video that he put on social media going like, I need your help. I need, you know, and mm-hmm. I realized, whoa, I am so weirdly interconnected with this man's life and celebrity lives in general, where I'm sitting here. We're like, oh shit, I should call Kim and let him know that he's coming. You know, like <laughs> I really like, I don't have their numbers. I'm sitting there worried. Like it's my girlfriend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that goes, that goes back to the idea that like we're seeing these people on social media, the same way we see people we actually know. And, and our brain is not equipped to separate that. Is the next big scam metaverse NFTs, Bitcoin. Is that, is that the next big scam. I mean, I feel like NFTs, especially on Twitter now is getting pushed. So Paris Hilton went on Jimmy Fallon last night and it was one of the weirdest clips I've ever seen of her holding up the ape NFT she had. And Jimmy was like, I got one too. That remind, And like, it was like this weird commercial within a talk show and it was all, mm-hmm. and then people applauded for their NFTs. And I'm like, nobody <laughs> in the audience even knows what that is. And we're getting sold this thing so badly. It's like, that we just want to create other avenues of money like that don't exist. Like let's create Bitcoin. Let's create this. Nothing is real. Yeah. And now we have Matt Damon encouraging us and, and Gwyneth Paltrow telling us to get into crypto. Um, you know, once, <laughs> once it's entered the influencer phase, I think that's a pretty good sign that it's not a great underlying product. God, I bet um, Billy McFarlane is chom- chomping at the bit. Like, yeah. please explain that. I was gone through NFTs. Yeah. Well, you know, Ja Rule sold a, a fire Festival NFT and made some money off of it. Of but course. the thing about NFTs and, and not to get like too reductive, I'm sure most people know this, but like, you're not actually buying anything. You don't own the image. You own a URL on which the image may or may not continue to be hosted. Like it is such a scam. Oh, dude, those and- dudes rose, uh, like got a bunch of money to buy the Dune copy of Jodorowsky's Dune. Yes. Where all of the <laughs> pictures, you guys. And thinking that they were like, we'll use all of the designs in this for a movie and we will own this and not realizing that they did. They just owned a copy of mm-hmm. like we those designs and all that stuff. And they had raised so much money from people. And yeah. it was wild. Like, it's just all nothing. Mm-hmm. And even that. Uh, the creator of NFTs has come out in interviews saying like, I don't get it. This isn't real. Like, why are people taking it seriously? Like, there are serious flaws in this system and nobody listens. And this no. is even the same thing with the fire festival. There were so many whistleblowers leading up to that event and nobody cared because they were so odd by the celebrity aspect, by the idea that they could like get rich fast. Um, you know, our brains like override any, any sense of like cynicism or reality when you get excited by celebrity like that. Well, it's this brand though. Fire, you say Fire Festival, people completely know about it. I remember seeing a guy with a t-shirt from the actual Fire Festival in a store once, and I was like, wow. Like I was like, I was like, he must he he's been uh, at the Mecca of Fire Festival. <laughs> you know, but I mean you, I mean, you were a producer on that Netflix documentary, but then Hulu, I remember, rushed one out or like try to beat you guys by a couple days. And I was like, this is wild. Now we're actually having like pop culture wars over documentaries about a failed pop culture. I mean, like, I mean, did you realize like how crazy that sounded when you were in the middle of it or were you just furious? Um, It's actually really fun. 
funny. I was shooting a promo for NBC when I found out that they had dropped it. And someone said to me like, oh, the Hulu doc, they just dropped it. And I was like, oh, they're not putting it out. Like, I didn't understand that it meant that they just released it. Um, but what they did, and I, I got to give them props for this because it was brilliant. Um, Netflix had an embargo on reviews for the Netflix documentary. And they released it at the same time that the embargo lifted. So anytime you wanted to Google Fire Festival, the Hulu doc would show up. It was actually like a very smart, uh, devious marketing campaign. Well, and even we that you we got the Emmy noms. <laughs> no, I mean yours was amazing. I mean, it was just so weird to like it was all of a sudden like that summer where like two volcano movies came out or two like mm-hmm. earthquake movies came out where all of a sudden there's multiple fire festival things and everybody's gonna tell their side of the story. But you even tell like the fuck Jerry guys were uh, you know part of the brand marketers for the fire brand. It's like we're all. I mean, if there's pop culture, somebody's being manipulated somewhere. Hundred percent, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, what's that? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> no! I'm just saying, like, I'm so. This is my favorite conversation I've ever had. Um, so uh, I, we only have like 12 more minutes. So I'm gonna like, what? What do you actually? I notice your Instagram isn't like you're not like you're not trying to be an influencer at all. You're not trying to do like, I don't think you even have a Twitter anymore. I, I, I try to look up I, your name. I do have a Twitter. You do. Uh, I couldn't I find it. I was like putting, I, I was like, Oh my God, she deactivated her Twitter account. Um, no, I have a very, uh, difficult relationship with social media because I feel the impulse to like present yourself in a certain way. And I don't want to be like that. You know, I'm not someone that's like comfortable talking to the camera. Like you'll never find me doing that because it just feels so unnatural. Um, And it's weird because I mostly use social media either to like post pretty pictures or like promote writing work. Um, And like, I don't know where the, you know, I want to be authentic, but like, I don't know how to actually do that. Like it's a highlight reel. Um, And so it's very weird. I'm more of um, a lurker than a poster, I would say. Yeah. I mean, how that's what I was like, your relationship to social media. Like my mom uh, has a Facebook account, but she never posts on it. She just spies. So you'll mm-hmm. hear my mom going like your, your buddy, Nick had a great meal the other night. It looked like, and I'm like, what are you, what are you talking? <laughs> He's like, he posted it on Facebook. Like, and my mom doesn't realize like that Facebook is like, uh, I'm like, mom, I don't even like go. There's no, I'm not nowhere near Facebook, but she, it is her lifeline and it is really interesting. But do you lurk on, is that what you're like on Instagram? How many hours a day are you finding yourself spending still after doing all of this work, talking about the effects of it? Uh, a disturbing amount. You know, as, <laughs> from, as an experiment for the book, it really fucks with your brain. Yes. Um, as an experiment for the book, I deleted social media off of my phone. And I would find myself in times of boredom or loneliness or whatever, um, unconsciously going to where the app used to be on my home screen and opening up whatever had slid over to take its place. So I'd be like, why am I in like the Hertz car rental app now? And it's because... <laughs> my brain was like telling me to go on Instagram. Um, and there are all these studies that show, you know, how addicted we become. Like these apps were built basically like slot machines. And so, you know, if you pay attention when you're scrolling through, you'll get one post that the algorithm kind of has determined and yeah, like, the algorithm, like it's a sentient being, but has determined that like you really want to see. And then you'll see like two boring things and then another interesting thing. And it keeps you like locked in and scrolling like it is devious pal 
Oh, and I'll admit you guys, this is disgusting, but it really is like an addict or a gambling addict. I would imagine is that if I have a post that is, doesn't hit, I'll immediately doubt myself and my sense of humor and my take on something. And then I'll be like, you know what? Fuck it. No, I'm going to double down. I'm going to post something, but I'm going to get, I'm going to get a thousand likes. No, that's it. Like I get, and that's like, that's gross behavior. You guys, that's just gross. And that I put myself worth into that of, okay, if I get enough likes, that means I'm a good person. If I don't, mm-hmm. I fucking suck and I need to die, you know? Well, you know, we're everyone has to find their own relationship with searching for <laughs> I love Gabrielle at the end of this interview. She's like, I'm worried about you. I really, I just want you to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's a, that's a very human need or, or, or want to have external validation and social media has put it in your pocket, like in your hands at all times. I really think that the moment society really changed that like that we can pinpoint is when Facebook went from being, you know, something you did on your computer, like you would go to the URL, facebook.com to like it actually being on you at all times. Like we are so hopelessly connected now. Like there's no real way to disconnect, you know, everyone that quits comes back eventually. I, I was reading that thing about Elon Musk and what is the, the neural link company he's oh, uh, invested in. And you guys, he's pretty much selling like a hard drive for your brain. Like, do you want more storage? And like, you're like, wow, that is. And in my head, I was like, I kind of do need more storage. I feel like I forget <laughs> things now. I feel like that could really free up some of my mind, but where are we going from here? And I guess that that's the thing is after doing all of this research and then living this the last year and a half since the book came out, where do you think we are headed? And, and I mean, that's kind of where, where, where are we headed and what's changed in the last year and a half since you wrote this book? I don't think much has changed. You know, I have a theory that Elon Musk is just Billy McFarland with more money. You know, I, I don't see a lot of meaningful distinctions between the two men, to be honest. Um, if you look at what Elon Musk's track record and what he's created versus the way that it's marketed, it's kind of the same thing. Right. He has come up with these self-driving cars that can't drive themselves. And when they try to, they crash and people have died and and had serious injuries. He created this futuristic hyperloop that is basically just a Holland tunnel for Tesla's that, you know, it's supposed to solve transportation. And instead he's creating underground like traffic jams. Um, you know, his space endeavors have been a little bit better. I, I believe a lot of that comes from like, you know, that federal funding and, and real people working on it. But what he promises and then what he delivers are so vastly different. But he was really benefited by early social media, um, you know, back. This kind of requires delving into like how how media worked in like the you know early late aughts early 2010s but a, a vast majority of traffic is driven by facebook and there were these groups like i don't i don't know if people remember the i fucking love science group that had millions of members that reacted really positively to interesting elon musk news and he was kind of created by himself and the media into this like you know who's a marvel character that's based on him the robert downey jr oh iron man yeah yeah, like people thought he was like a real life Iron well, that's, Man. And that's it. People want to believe closely. in something, right? Like yes. we want to believe in the billionaire that's going to create a spacesuit like we love in the Marvel movies and that mm-hmm. he's trying to like save humanity when the, the, the reality of Elon Musk's situation is far different. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's another another thing where like when, when the moments of real life come in, it's very funny. Like when Azalea Banks was 
tweeting about him being on acid and her locked in oh. his house and you kind of see that like oh okay the the myth and the man are very very different no totally um. <laughs> i mean like the grimes of it all i mean god the azalea yeah. banks that's another one i'd be i you're probably friends with azalea banks or something but she could just i've always said how scared i am because if she ever meets me she'll be able to destroy me within one instagram post like she feels like she can like brutally knock you down you know well you want to talk about someone who, I, who can use social media authentically i think azalea banks is like the the perfect example like she is not concerned with how she's coming across she is just going to say what she wants to say and you can take it or leave it um and a lot of it is i would leave it but some of it is, is you know? well, i wonder how close she came to getting the uh the julia fox role with kanye I mean, like if there were auditions she, i feel like she could have it always reminds me of those rumored auditions for Tom Cruise's wife back in the day. Mm-hmm. Katie Holmes eventually got it, but Scarlett Johansson was allegedly in the running and stuff. And I always imagine that of like, I just find it so interesting when people are auditioning for real life roles, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I mean, that's been going on since the start of Hollywood, oh, right? Yeah. And that's something we kind of like accept. And it's it's almost fun to play armchair detective and say like, is this real? Is this not? Is it you or know, is that? It, it is, but then QAnon happens, you know? Like when yeah. we, we, everything is now a conspiracy theory. I, I say this every day is that like, I only like to believe in conspiracy theories when it comes to Bravo, but everything can't be a conspiracy theory all the time. Yeah. And you know that, I, I don't know if you remember this, there was, um, th- this is like a pre QAnon thing that I guess we should have seen as a harbinger, but there was that uh, crazy days and nights gossip yes. site. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there was a poster on it who was leaking information and claiming to be Robert Downey Jr. And people truly believed that Robert Downey Jr. was in the comments on this like blog spot website revealing, you know, like super insidery Hollywood information about like sex trafficking and underage actresses. I mean, it is a direct precursor to this QAnon kind of attitude. So it, it, it starts in pop culture and, and branches out from there. I always just, I just don't like, I, I, I think for me, it was just like, yo guys, Tom Hanks ain't eating babies. Like you might want to think like, I'm just like, but like, also where do you find the time? And also if you're going to say Hillary and bill, like supposedly if they eat this gland or whatever, they look like shit, you guys, the gland doesn't work. So if that's (laughs) the rabbit hole down, it just doesn't even make sense from a logical standpoint, Mm -hmm. but that's the thing I've noticed people's willingness to believe they just want to believe in something. And that's, what's frustrating is because it, they'll make any connection possible to believe the thing that they want to believe. And there's no truth anymore. Well, that is the, the, the human psychology behind it. You know, we have entered, it's, it's, I think like Oxford termed it the post-truth era where um, your feelings are more important than the facts. Like your gut feeling overrules whatever the fact is. And you couple that with the fact that if you believe something to be true, you can find evidence, you know, and I say this with air quotes online to support that. Um, and it, you know, I was saying like, you can't tell what comes from Reddit and the New York times if you're reading all day, but like, it, it really does come down to that. Like if you believe that Bill and Hillary Clinton are evil people, you can find evidence that will support that. And then these algorithms, YouTube and Facebook will start serving you information to support this mindset that you have decided based on a gut feeling. Like it is just like a perfect storm um, and it's horrifying. I could talk to you all day. Um, finally, just, I just, as a fun, like, what, what do you watch now? What do you read? What do you like to actually, I mean, what's, what are you into in the sense of entertainment that 
kind of you can escape from and not think about all the things that you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, I do love Bravo. Um, I would say I've been in a yellow phase, so I've been watching Yellow Jackets. Yellowstone, uh, that's a nice escape. Wasn't Yellow Jackets so, it was so fun to like, Yellow Jackets was so fun to be part of a, and I was talking, like, what do you feel about the release strategy of not binging anymore in one a week? I kind of like it. It makes it a little yeah. more special. Like I'm getting, it's getting back into like must see TV and it's, it's, it's fun to have that, you know, forced waiting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, waiting it, always makes it a little, Oh, there was that Andy Warhol quote about like not doing it is even better than doing it sometimes. So like yeah. the wait is actually sometimes the best part, the anticipation of it. Yellowstone though, you, uh, every girl that I know has recommended Yellowstone and I watch a season and I realize guys, I'm a straight dude. I don't want rip. Like, I don't want, like, I feel like all the girls want it because they're so hot for all these cowboys. I'm sitting there watching the first season going like, when does this get as amazing as everybody says it is? Because all of a sudden <laughs> it's just like cowboys. But then I realized no guys have told me they like this show. It's all women. <laughs> and then I realized if I look deeper, they're like, I'd love to do things to rip. <laughs> well, I think you probably know a lot of horse girls. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, you know, there's there's uh, some romance in the American West, the idea of, of going out and making your own fortune with your hands and riding horses all day and being a barrel girl. I don't know. I like it. It's fun. And Kevin Costner's fun. Kevin Costner's career is fascinating with like dances with the wolves, directing, and he finds I don't know, it's like he does kind of uh in, he is the I guess new American Western man. Um what is next for, for you? I know you said you cannot talk about a couple of things before we got on, but like, I I mean, is there another book in the works? Like I really got so bummed out when this book ended and I just loved it so much. And I loved your voice so much. And where can we get more of that? Where are you allowed to say anything that's coming out for, for you? Yeah. So, um, I'm mostly focusing right now on kind of long form investigative pieces. I have a piece coming out in a couple of weeks that I think is going to be really interesting. I can't say too much about it now, but I am on the scammer grifter con artist beat and that beat never ends. Like, you know, (laughs) not to uh, steal the PT Barnum statement, but there is another scammer born every day. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to keep investigating this stuff. You can find me in the New York times, New York magazine, um, variety of publications and, and maybe there will be another book, you know, let's, let's get your no, readers there, to there, to my publisher. There really should be. And by the way, I was like, God, uh, this book also was, I, I thought, so ripe for a, a TV series of, of just like scams. Like, I mean, like, I was like, this is Netflix right here. I could see every episode of this because we didn't even get a touch on Caroline Calloway, which is really just fascinating mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, I'm like, why doesn't she just write the book? Write the book. You wrote scam. Write the book, you know, right? but yeah. she doesn't want to write the book. So it's like this performance art piece that I'm like. Oh, it's sick that I'm even thinking that this is a performance art piece when this is potentially maybe just mental illness, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I ordered one, so I'm still waiting for my copy to come. Uh, but, you know, you there may be a, a hype series. It has been optioned. We are working on it. So I think it, I think I, I would just really, really love that. I think that would be so, so good. And really, so it's all of us fans out here, we share the same DNA and what we like. So from Bravo, you guys, this is a direct 
correlation. And, you know, Leah's even in there. So you, you, you have that housewife kick, but also it just is everything that we talk about all the time. It's like pop culture and scammers are go hand in hand. So I highly recommend this book called Hype, you guys. I'm going to put the link on the show notes. I'll put her uh, website address all over social media. And hopefully you'll come back because I really could. T- I mean, this was just so I was so excited for this. So thank you because you just so talented. This was so much fun. As you know, I've been a longtime follower, uh, first time caller, but I would love to come back and talk about this whenever you want. Oh, do anytime you, you, if you want a monthly segment, you got it because you are just, <laughs> I mean, really, I'm like about to offer you a co-host slot because it's just so cool. I was talking to my Monday co-host Sophie Ross about you and we were just big geeking out and it's really cool because there's like everybody that I really like knows you and knows your work and I'm a uh, big Sophie fan I actually yeah. I interviewed her about Ariel Charnas for the book but it oh she she was the one that first explained to me what fast fashion was because I had no mm-hmm. idea what it was and uh she was really screaming about it so it's really been fascinating to do this and kind of learn how the culture works right now. So guys, Gabrielle Bluestone, uh, you better be back because this was just my favorite hour ever. And uh, you guys go get the book. It was a year and a half ago, but it is still just as uh, you could read it today and it would come from this week. I swear to God, it's on Amazon. I'll put all the links and the audio book is great too. So thank you so much, Gabrielle. Thank you. This was really great. Betches.